Sit down, relax. Yeah, yeah, it's you, man. Headphones, the whole deal. You look great. I don't know if that's gay to say, but you do. I mean, I, 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 I haven't seen you in a really long time um, in person, and you look uh, you look fantastic. We've had some rock stars walk in, and we go, jeez, look at that. <laughs> I'm eking on the inside. <laughs> um, you want to hear, look, we start this off funny. I, you created a uh, term in my in my life that nobody else will understand and i never thought i'd have the opportunity to explain this to you when i take my kids to the beach i must stain them before they go to the beach Uh-oh. the last time i saw you you were playing a festival show at a rock station i was working at here in florida 110 Uh-oh. degrees no it was no way. Oh, i think i remember it was livestock it was a long yes. time ago Yes. And you were making your way to the stage. And first of all, this is also a great sign of, uh, you know, the level of somebody's rock stardom if they have a person that slathers uh, sunblock on them. (laughs) Dave had to take off his shirt and some lovely lady put sunblock on because you're so fair skinned Mm -hmm. and and, uh, being red hair and fair skinned, you die out here without it. He's the same way, Captain Irish over here. So, but it's just so funny is uh, that was my like lasting vision of you, mm. this woman, and I go look at him. That's how that's you how you <laughs> hope to achieve a point in life. You've made where it. some lovely lady slathers you. So whenever we go to the beach, I go. I have a young daughter. I go. Don't just spray it. Stain it up. Get them all nice, and, <laughs> so you don't get a nice little coat like a little uh, like a fried chicken under there. I guess I won't tell you about the the girl that puts the condoms on. <laughs> <laughs> she also slathers from what I understand. No, very Are you a uh, single man or a married man? Married. I was just kidding. How long have you been married? 28 years yesterday. How? Are wow. you serious? Yeah, I was able to celebrate our anniversary here in beautiful Florida. And where do you meet her? Uh, Megadeth is spelled wrong up there. Oh, yeah. Well, Come on. That's because needs that to go back to no freaking school. He's 100 years no old. A. The last Hooked band. on phonics worked for me, genius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how? And where do you meet uh, your wife is she a fan? Uh, I met her? her in California. So she, um, we we. Uh, I had a guy that was friends with our drummer Nick Manza. Uh-huh. Was actually assistant for uh, Steve. Um, what was it? Steve Nadler, the guy from Guns and Roses, right. right? So back in the day, uh, it was real popular for everybody to be using really hard drugs. So this guy had just come out of rehab, and he knew that I was sober. And he goes, uh, "Would you mind coming with me to my first show?" to just kind of be a mentor and help me out, you know. So I said, sure. So I go there, and I see my future dream come true, and and, um, I have my guy that's with me, and I said, I said, hey, Juan, see that blonde over there? Go go tell her I want to meet her. Mm-hmm. So he's really dark-complected and giant, beautiful white teeth. And he <laughs> wanders across this place. And, and all of a sudden, I see these giant white teeth flashing in the dark. And I'm thinking either he's eating her or he's laughing hysterically, <laughs> right? So I go, okay, I'm, I'm hoping it's the latter. And he comes up and he's smiling. And, and I said, what happened? And he goes, she said... 
you want to meet her, you need to go there yourself. Oh, yeah. And I thought, cool, Spice, I like uh-huh. that. And so I went up to her and I said, hi, I'm, I know who you are. And, and I was okay. Apparently her friend was a, uh, there, her roommate, they were out playing pool and, and she knew who I was and Pam did not. And, and it was great because, you know, we, we fell in love and we didn't have anything in common um, other than, you know, our, our attraction to one another. And, right. and, and you don't want to, you don't want to marry a, a hardcore groupie. You know what no. I mean? So this works out yeah. perfect. Yes, you may you have so many examples of that in, in, in the music yeah, and never television and film industry, you know. You never respect them on a level that you need to respect your wife. Yeah. You know? But you notice how it's never really the uh, huge female stars marry guy groupies. No, it's, no, it's no. I always ask around. female stars about that. Like, do like does that happen? Like, did Hart have a guy that goes out and... I know Go-Go's <laughs> had talked about it where they did a lot of stuff. So they also did... That was a lot of drug-induced sex with them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I would imagine... That, we'd be very happy with that, I think, yeah. guys. We're just we're dirty. So, how hard is that to be an international celebrity and stay married for so long? I and mean, that's a that's a huge accomplishment in your business. Well, you know, there has been with I think any good marriage, there's been you know ups and downs. Of course, because, you know, it's like it, there's old sayings that you know every time you melt down silver. Stuff that floats to the top right. is kind of dross. It's bad stuff, and you you purify it every time you uh, melt the silver down. It gets more pure, or, or and fire cleanses. And I think that you know, with us, we've had like I said, a spicy, fiery relationship. But you know, I, I love her, and and um, you know, I think if if you don't work through the stuff, it's gonna it's gonna become really big. Yeah. things and and uh, i think people just give up on on stuff uh when uh, they give up on their 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 marriages because it's an inconvenience yeah, sometimes it's easier just to yeah, bail just yeah. to bail you know and and uh, i wasn't taught that you know i'm i'm obviously you know from a different um mindset from a lot of people yeah. and i i believe that you know you don't stay in a marriage just because you know you if if you married somebody and you made vows and and you're you're gonna you really love that person whether you know it's uh, fight it out it's yeah, what you yeah. agreed to when you got yeah. married yeah oh, that's yeah. interesting you have children two that i know of <laughs> how how old uh 27 justice is 27 and elector just turned 21 at what age i ask all the celebrities at what age do they realize that you are cool and not just dad <laughs> what's the date yeah <laughs> that's what everybody says too like there's no like you gotta imagine all your kids friends were like dude you, first of all your dad's got long hair yeah. he shreds on the guitar and we see him on tv mm. and stuff and touring mm. and then the kids are like meh, meh, meh. that's what you get from it from well i think that you know that's probably not a good idea to keep showing the picture of james either that's not me. I, what are you showing Boy. don't worry about that joey just go back to what's live in the studio mm. go ahead Sorry. okay yeah, I'm sure you'll be firing that guy later. <laughs> He's a hundred. He doesn't know who anybody is. Uh, so, so okay. what were you saying about your about your kids? What? Well, I'm saying a lot of stuff about my kids. They're, you know, I again, you know, when you think about kids, a lot of times people they. Uh, for me, I I don't know why, but I had a, a really difficult upbringing, and I got through it 
I'll, I'll be it on my own. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, my mom moved out when I was really young, and and I uh, been living on my own since I was fifteen, which by today's standards, really, really young. That was nineteen seventy six, sure. living on my own. Yeah. <laughs> and back then, where know, is this? In in Huntington Beach, California. Okay. I was a little surf punk, so you know, already I pretty much didn't want to listen to anyone or anything. And and when, because my mom was a Jehovah's Witness, and and is that why she left? Yes. Oh, she got yeah. culted up, and yeah. And where's your dad? Was he not my around? My dad had passed away. Uh, Shortly after my mom moved out, and they were divorced. I, you know, they got divorced when I was four, and I got to see him every once in a while, but not as much as I really truly wanted. To. Right. So how yeah. do you how do you survive on your own at fifteen? Are you working, or are you just kind of hopping couches? That's, this is why my mom uh, moved out. I was selling pot. You know, uh, I figured, okay, at that time, living at the beach, you're fifteen years old. What skills do I have? Right. None, yeah, except for yeah, yeah. rolling joints, you know. So, uh, so can you I, play guitar yet at that age? Just started. Yeah, okay. just started. But you know, I knew that something was happening, yeah. and and it uh, it wasn't long until I realized. Probably around eighteen was when it started to become clear to me that this is uh, an option for me because yeah. I loved sports. I wanted to, you know, we were talking about the uh, Grapefruit League down here, and and when I was a kid, I, I loved baseball. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, what kid doesn't? Who'd you like? Who was your California team? Or did you, or was I wasn't. I, I I thought Johnny Bench was the coolest guy in the world, yeah. and then Steve Yeager was the other guy because I I wanted to be a catcher. The whole art of putting on all that armor, and yeah, when we would play, uh, I. Uh, and my mom would tell me these terrible stories about how bad I was that I would stand in front of the plate and I wouldn't let kids come past even if I didn't have the ball. Right. And, and the parents <laughs> parents talked really badly about me. There's that Mustang kid again. And, and, and I thought, you know, well, you, we're not going to lose. Yeah. You know, you want to get here, you're going to have to fight for it. Because that's kind of my mentality at the time, you know, just... just if you want it, come and get it. But you better be prepared to fight for it. Right, and right. that's how I... Well, was, you lived your life like that. I wasn't really that old at the time, oh, so yeah. I hadn't been scarred that much. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'd already from four to whatever that age was, no dad, you know, you're already scrapping on your own. Right, you know, right, right, And my heart goes out to um, your listeners who are parents that are single parents or who are, are um, maybe younger, who have grown up and not had that... that, uh, that uh, role model, the male role model. Sure. For me, I didn't have the male role model. I had a, a surrogate role model from my my brother in laws, who were both cops. Which, believe it or not, did not affect me to be anti authoritarian. I had were they significantly older than you? Yes. Okay. Uh, my two oldest sisters uh, were probably. Uh, I I can never remember their birthdays <laughs> because we weren't really. We never really spent a lot of time together close because the whole witness sure. thing, the, the birthdays weren't significant. So I really, you know, it's like looking at a tree. How's a tree? Who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're probably going to hate the fact I compared him to a tree just <laughs> yeah. now. An yeah, oak and a pine. Yeah. I'm 400. I'm uh, a tree or a Well, turtle. cut him in the half and count the rings. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, so that was your that was your uh, figure. Was your your like father figure became your brother? Yeah, yeah. And you know they they did. I thought really the best that they could. My uh, oldest sister's husband was super cool. He was this uh, guy from Lithuania and um, he had become a motorcycle cop for the California Highway Patrol oh, and his beat was uh, uh, on uh, Pacific Coast Highway. So right. he's all tanned and, and uh, riding a Harley up and down the coast looking at, gig. riding tickets to poor yeah. girls in bikinis <laughs> all day long. Yeah. Over the beach, yeah. I, yeah, he would get up in the morning and just like creak down the hallway <laughs> with all that leather squeaking and stuff and then he would uh, start up his Harley and the whole neighborhood would shake and I thought you know who the f 
<laughs> Who's going to say anything to this dude? Yeah. He's got a gun on and he's starting up and the whole neighborhood vibrates. But I thought that was really cool. And then the other brother-in-law was the chief of police in Stanton, which was cool for me because we used to go to this place called the Stanton Picture Palace, which was a, a theater that had these giant fans on the ceiling. And you could go in there and watch movies like the Jimi Hendrix that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Uh, I watched a lot of Hendrix performances in the Stanton Picture Palace. Oh, really? And what they would do is like you could go there and drink and smoke and do whatever you wanted to. And if the cops ever came in, of course, I had to get a jail free card. My brother in law was the chief right, of police, right. but um, they would go, "Ladies and gentlemen, the uh, authorities have entered the building, so let's not violate any smoking ordinances. Please extinguish all uh, lit, uh, blah blah blah." Give a nice little heads up, and then all of a sudden you'd, you'd watch, you know, above you because you see the smoke through the the light from the film and yeah. everything, and then it starts going up, uh, <laughs> like fade out, a reverse exorcism, whatever. <laughs> so, um, anyways, long story boring. I I saw the Hendrix uh, Rainbow bridge flick there and there was another I can't remember the other performance that I saw that he did but talk about amazing amazing opportunity to do this Jimi Hendrix thing right well, now. Had you, had you played at the time before you saw the movies or was that kind of like... I was still a, really young I was still just, just yeah that, that, at that point um, I just met my brother-in-law's little brother who uh, was playing in a band so I just was cutting my teeth. How long before you realized that you were probably better than the average person playing like you were like oh i got something here you know what i i gotta tell you the craziest thing like even today last night when i was on stage with the other guitar players out of there i you know i have my doubts yeah you know and i, and I think that's good because it has yeah you don't want to get too i have a healthy respect for my my instrument and my job and i think that uh you know when when you take it for granted and you just think you're the greatest thing in the world, then you know, it's time to get a little attitude adjustment. Yeah. Well, you can see all the guys mm. who that kicked in the ass from having that attitude over the years. That, and there's so many great new players right now. The problem is, is you can sit in your room and shred your tail off on, on YouTube videos, but you know, how do you find the other guys that have the same vision that you do, or the same kind of dedication that you do, and, and can any of you write a song? Because, yeah. you know what, we all can listen to some guy burn up a fretboard but you know what when you're when you're driving down the road and you're tapping it out on the steering wheel is it or or is it something like uh, 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 you know and, you, and you're okay I, you know i've got something to drive to you know let me let me tell you about this show uh, it's happening at ruth eckert hall it's the experience hendrix and uh, in addition to dave mustaine you got I mean, you want to see why you'd be why you'd be doubting yourself up there. You got Joe Satriani, you got Johnny Lyon, you got Dweezil Zappa, mm -hmm. Eric John. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I can't imagine how much this costs to put this show together just from the <laughs> list of people that are on there. Uh, Zach Wild, Doug Pennick, uh, Doug Pennick from King's X. King's X. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of Kenny Aronoff playing the uh, the drums with you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a that's a huge. The drummer from the Fabulous Thunderbirds is playing with me, Chris. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember his last name. I just met him, but Chris he's, Layton. He's awesome. He's a cool guy. Yeah. And and that whole Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimmy Vaughn connection with that Austin stuff. We were talking, and I said, "Where are you from?" And he goes, "Austin." And I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were just down there 30 years ago crawling around all the barbecued restaurants trying to see if anybody knew where Eric Johnson lived and where Stevie Ray Vaughan was from because I loved listening to that stuff. Actually, the way I got turned on to that whole scene with the, the Vaughn brothers was through 
Gar and Chris. Gar Samuelson and Chris Poland, the first lineup of Megadeth. They, right. they loved those players. I was not really so much into the uh, super guitar muso kind of guys. I, I, I liked Angus. I liked uh, Michael Schenker. I liked what Glenn and KK were doing. I, I loved what was going on with... Um, Motorhead and, and the new wave of British heavy metal, Diamond Head, right, right, Fate, right. stuff like that. And a lot of those guitar players are, are more riff-oriented. Yeah. So going back to the part about, you know, sitting in your room and shredding, it can only get you so far. Sure, uh, but it's definitely a, a way to get noticed when you're mm -hmm. out there on stage. Right, uh, right. It, the way I think that Jimmy got noticed, uh, not to cut you off, yeah, yeah. Um, but I will. Uh, the, <laughs> the thing with Jimmy was he did, when you do a, a play, do you play at all? I, I play bass. Okay, great. Perfect. I'm not example. very good. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. A bass is one of those instruments that, that has its its place. It's so important because it connects everything. And I think a lot of people, they they discredit bass players. Because when you think of bass players, you usually think of the dude from the monkeys, right? You know? <laughs> that, that's what, you <laughs> is know, that what you think of? <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't think of like yeah. Sting or Lemmy or you don't think of, you know, other people like Steve Harris right. or, or, or Getty or, or, you know, Paul McCartney. Uh, Those are the five greatest bass players I know. Um, anyways, uh, God, what was I talking about? How did I get down this path here? I don't know, but you know, I do this all the time. Then Galvin has to walk me yeah, back five minutes. Yeah, what were we minutes. just we talking, talking about before yeah. the bass players? You were thing. saying about Jimmy. Yeah. And then, uh, okay. Yeah, right. Uh, so the bass players. Sorry. Thank you for that. <laughs> that uh, freshen up. <laughs> um, so, so Jimmy does this thing where, uh, like, with uh, three pieces, if you know, in, and sometimes four pieces, if you have a front man that doesn't play an instrument. Right. When there's only three instruments, guitar, bass, drums, when the rhythm stops and the guitar player goes into the lead, that's when all bets are off. Yeah. You know, that's when you can tell if the guitar player is a well-rounded player. And one of the things that Jimmy did that I've discovered that's really weird is he had really enormous hands. And uh, I had the privilege, um, before I even knew this was going to happen, I went to this guy in San Diego who was very wealthy. And, and uh, he invented some crazy electronic device. And he collected guitars. So I got to play Jimmy's V. And then I went to the Hard Rock Cafe in London. Uh -huh. And they have a vault underneath there with guitars. Oh, stuff, yeah. And I played his other V. So he oh, has wow. two Vs that uh, were those psychedelic paint job ones. And that's uh, we have this really beautiful guitar we're debuting during the show of the Jimmy version yeah. of the, the the guitar I play. So um, The Jimmy version of the Dean Mustaine guitar. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's pretty it's, cool. It's really nice. So, so uh, what Jimmy would do, um, he, he had this thing um, which I like to do in Megadeth songs too, which is having a counterpoint bass uh, part that moves against the guitar rhythms. Okay. So the guitar rhythm will be in one position and the bass will move either down or upward. And uh, it changes everything. So the riff stays the same, the bass root moves, so it, it changes the, the modality of the song. And Jimmy would play, like for example, with one, one of the songs I'm doing is Fire, um, he's doing some chords with the, the four fingers on his right hand, and he's using his thumb over the top of the neck to hold the bass note. Okay. And in a song called Reckoning Day, I do the same thing where I play with my thumb hanging over the neck. And I don't know a lot of people that were doing that at the time, and I, and I had forgotten that Jimmy had done it, and frankly, I didn't know how to play Fire the right way. Right. You know, I was looking up some tablature, and one of the famous tab sites, um, it, it has... Uh, uh, uh. 
and it, and it. The first few chords right there, right. mistakes in it already. Uh. How can you screw <laughs> that up? Oh my God! Uh. You know. And so, um, be careful what tab sites you go to out there, you young guitar players. Yeah. When you're a bass player, the best thing to do is let your guitarist learn the song, and then he teaches you. <laughs> that too, <laughs> or his uh, or his uh, lotion lather. Slather <laughs> <laughs> the Mustaine slather. Dave Mustaine is in the studio with us. Uh, the show is happening at Ruth Eckert Hall tonight at seven thirty. You can go see the Experience Hendrix. Now you got a couple other things going on. Now, what is? Tell me about the Megadeth beer. Oh, that's uh, been a huge success. We got involved in, in a company up in Canada, and we debuted the beer here in Florida right. at the World of Beer, and that was October 22nd, two years ago. So um, it's it's been fantastic. We've sold, um, when when you total everything up, it's over 5.2 million 12-ounce wow. bottles of beer. Wow. And um, that's about what we drank in my first band. <laughs> and, uh, and the 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 beer has already it's called a saison which is uh season. Right. And the monks in Belgium when they would harvest they would make a particular brew for the summertime when they harvested which was the saison brew. More refreshing, lighter, it it, uh, it got the job done. So when they said did you want to try an IPA? I thought god that is such a tired beat down yeah. beer style. Everybody does an IPA. You're not a hipster. Right. Yeah. So so um, when the opportunity came to do a saison I, I didn't know what it was and I thought let me try it and and it was fantastic. We've won two gold medals already with it and so now you, but you don't drink, right? I I I drink you, beer. You do drink. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you were, you said sober you mean from drugs? You don't do drugs back then, right? But back I got then, you. Yeah. So you. I mean, so you're able to, to drink now recreationally yeah. and not yeah. affect you. Good, good yeah. for you. So, so then you I'm have, drinking now. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> have Coffee. you have say into what, what not just the name and the design, but you're actually picking the flavor and how it goes. And this way, if it's going to represent you, you want it to be to an extent. Legit. See, yeah. I'm not a beer master, okay, a meister, brew master, whatever. Um, what what I am is somebody who. Uh, when you drink, I like to drink for the effect. Yeah. And, and I just want to have a cold beer. I just want to be refreshed. I just want to chill out. Right. And if you have something that you're drinking and it's awful, you know, wh- why? Sure. It's like, okay, here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> drinking jet fuel get to get it. a buzz. Yeah. yeah. So so um, what we did was we... we Followed after the wisdom of these monks, and and you know they're out laboring in the fields during the summer months. Who better to know what the best beer is than beer makers, right? <laughs> right? So uh, that was something really easy for us to to make a decision on. Now the second beer we have is going to be coming out in a few months, and um, we found out there was so much weird stuff that took place during the making of this beer. You know, like I, what? I, Thirteen has showed up in my life all over the place. Okay. Right, so. <clears throat> We decided that we were going to use uh, the word 13 somehow, the number 13 somehow. Right. And and we turned uh, all the numbers in and everything came back. So the bitterness chart, the IBU, right. is 1.9. The alcohol volume is 6.1. So 1961, that's my year I was born. Oh, wow. Right? And then the 13 um, came down to how many ingredients we have in the beer. There's 13 ingredients in the beer. 
So, so things was, all kind of came together. Yeah, it was really weird, all these 13s and my, the month and the year and the day and all that kind of stuff. And I think the, the most fabulous thing of all is that there's not a whole bunch of stuff in there to get the point across. And, you know, people loved the two limon beer, obviously with the sales. That's an incredible amount of beer. Yeah, sure. And uh, obviously your name... The name is only going to sell a certain amount. It's got to taste good in order to sell that. Exactly amount of money. right. Yeah. The, you know, the name will sell the first one. The right. taste will sell the second one. Right. So, well, that's good that you're having success with that. Yeah, and we we you, this is how that all happened. When I got approached, um, I I got to tell the story backwards yeah. a little bit. Somebody was making fun of metal guitar players, <clears throat> saying that you know they they aren't really skilled. And I I said you know the the classical violinists of the past are the metal guitar players of today. Sure. They shred back on the violin. Right, yeah. right. You put a flying V in, in Vivaldi's hands and, and I, I can only imagine what that <laughs> stuff would have sounded like, right? So um, I'm I'm excited about uh, I should say VMNT. Um, so I I, uh, I get this notion to challenge this guy and, and they said, you could never do it and I said, watch me. Yeah. So I did uh, four songs uh, with the um, the San Diego Symphony. Oh, we wow. did two Vivaldi tracks, uh, and, and we did a Bach track and a Wagner track. And uh, we wanted to have something that was going to uh, be kind of like a social lubricant, but also help everybody kind of come together. And you know, because you're going to have people that are uh, subscribed to the uh, Symphony Hall that are in tuxes most of the time and are going to show up for the first time in like leather, right, right, and vice right. versa. You know, dudes that wear denim and leather all the time are going to go in a, in a tux. You sure. know, they're going to the to the, to the uh, you know to the you symphony. Fit in, yeah. Right, right. So, so we thought, what's the one thing we know everybody's going to really enjoy? And and because beer was such a, a hit or miss thing, we thought just let's get a wine get a cab something that's like a really nice blend everybody could like and everybody sure. could enjoy and poof, it was gone and we knew because i i went in there and tasted it myself yeah. and i'm picky you know if, if it doesn't taste good like i said earlier if, if the beer doesn't taste good i'm not gonna drink it yeah. so so the wine was um a huge success and and then we got into making wine yeah. and we planted a vineyard at our house in fallbrook so that's ready to be harvested it takes between three to five years for the grapes to fully mature. By the way, that's the other sign that you're a rock star is when you have enough property to put a vineyard in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 We're also... Okay. Uh, so so that was really interesting, doing the uh, the wine. And uh, it was fun for our family culturally because it's something that I wanted to leave for my kids. Yeah. You can not can only leave music for so long. You know, they get to experience it, but, you know, they didn't get that... You know, enjoyed it in every meal and... Blah blah blah. Right. So, um, and and I thought, you know, I, I don't drink wine during the day. Frankly, I don't drink wine a lot. Um, but uh, I thought, you know, what I what I beer would like to uh -huh. do would be to do a beer. And yeah. I talked to another company, and the guy goes, you know, we're all stoked, and we're going to do this. And then a couple days later down the process, they go, well, you know, we don't like your politics. And, and really? I, I, yeah, because people, they, they hear what I say sometimes and they take it out of context or people will uh, edit stuff out or, you know, they'll say what I said, which I didn't really say. And even if they disagree with you, if it's going to sell, if you're in the here's business what, of selling beer. Here's what the guy said. He goes, beer and politics don't make uh, bar yeah. I've been into. They've talked about sex, politics, and religion. Oh, know? look at that one time Obama had the problem with the plumber guy. They went and had a beer. Yeah. Sit down and talk about a beer. That's yeah. the whole, the, everything's been uh, developed over sitting around drinking a couple of beers. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. Well, good. And that's how you weed out the people you don't want to work with and you move on to the, the right 
people. Right. So we ended up going to Canada to this company up there, and it's called Unibrew. And Unibrew is is out of um, uh, Quebec, uh, where there there's there's this famous r- route that goes down into the states. Okay. So my father's side of the family had uh, migrated from Europe through into Ohio. And so we have this connection where that area up there we'd come in, and my last name's French. So the people at Unibrew said we got, we have to have everything, all the titles have to have a connection back to paying homage to France. Okay. So that's why the first uh, beer was called a Toulouse. And when you say the name only sells so much, that's true because we have Megadeth kind of smaller than the words of Toulouse. Um, uh, on this new beer, it, it's the reason that we chose to use uh, numerals is because numerals are international. Right, and that's true. And that's something that, that uh, you're going to have to see for yourself and taste it for yourself. Listen, I'm not opposed to sitting here and having a tasting uh, live on the air one day. Uh, if you're just joining us, Dave Mustaine is in the studio with us. Which is, uh, I, I, I thank you for getting up early, because I would have oh, been like, welcome. no, I'm already rich. I'm not getting up early. Uh, the show is happening at Ruth Eckert Hall tonight. Uh, it, listen, uh, you've been responsible for a lot of things, but this, this Dean Guitar, uh, we're, we're friends with Josh. Josh is in our, in our band, and mm-hmm. uh, I've been over there at that factory and seen those guitars, and it's iconic to see mm-hmm. you holding that, uh, that V guitar, and uh, I, I think that's, that's great that you... Uh, that tonight that you'll have your special Hendrix model. Mm. I wish we could have seen Josh. You, you failed us. I wish we could have seen one of those. Get. We we made them very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, after this, how long does this tour last? This Hendrix. Well, the Hendrix tour is, uh, I believe, it's five weeks. That's a total of thirty shows. Uh, I don't know the ending date. And then, what do you do when it's done? Do you do more uh, Megadeth? Are you? We're in the middle. Actually, I came out of the studio, studio doing album sixteen right now to do this. I, I was home writing the new record, which is coming along really well. And w- when this tour's over, I'll be heading back to the studio. And after that, we do OzFest, or we do the tour with Ozzy. You're Megadeth back here Megadeth in June. Mm-hmm. June 2nd. Now, how's Ozzy doing? Do we know? I talked to Zach yesterday, and he said he's doing okay. Okay, good. So I didn't press things. I think that, you know, that's something that's personal and private. Right. And um, I think that Sharon's totally capable of disseminating information about Ozzy's health. <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you, but I don't want to yeah. say something I don't know. I know he's I'm pretty sure okay. Ozzy's been out of it for the last thirty years, and he just this is his fifth life, sixth life. He'll be fine. He'll be yeah. back. He's you know what? He's <laughs> really um, a, a sweet man, and and um, he's, he's a hell of a performer. Yeah, and, you know, with with uh, what what he's contributed to the metal world, and and you know, I, I don't. People have their opinions of all of us. Ozzy's one of those guys. When I see him, I just, I, I just have this feeling of, of just reverence and love and, and respect for him. You know, and yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I, he. You look at certain people, no matter how much you've achieved, like they're kind of like you know they're so iconic. You have to give them that that credit immediately when you see them. Right. I, it's the same way in any industry that you're in or that you love. There's always somebody who helped get you there, and yeah, you, yeah, I, yeah, I know that you exactly like, what you that mean. You respect, yeah. and you know what's funny is that 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 feeling, how easy it is to show someone respect. Think about what it would be like if people kind of carried that attitude with them through the day, sure. You know, and and they weren't, you know, wearing all their problems and hardships on their forehead, you know, and and were had people they can confide in when things are going. 
tough and and you know we're able to share stuff instead of dumping stuff on people that's why people don't want to listen to other people's crap it's that's like, true we got enough for our own crap. We don't need to hear other people's crap. Okay, you've crap. been whining about the same stuff for 10 years now. Either, you know, <laughs> yeah. divorce or, you know, <laughs> shut up. 16 albums. See, this will be the 16th one. Yeah. Okay. Studio. Que- question for you. Does it matter now that, uh, I don't know, like, if this comes out, it's the greatest Megadeth album of all time. Radio is in such a weird state. Do you even care anymore about radio, or are you like, hey, we're going right to online, or you can buy our stuff? Like, how does that work for you now? That's really hard to answer that because you know the the answer obviously is you know, the whole relationship's bittersweet. I like yeah. the people, but the way that we have to operate within the parameters of the radio world for the average listeners, they don't realize uh, a lot of times that a lot of the music that you're heard, you know, it's it's part of the whole the big wheel, right? And and that the the DJs the programmers don't necessarily feel that you know you need to hear taylor swift 500 times sure. a day you know um but it's, so, way, it's so, the way a machine works yeah and what's what's they're told to play mm-hmm. and so i don't have a grudge for stations or, or people um i i do uh i i, I learned a pretty valuable lesson a long time ago about you know the power of somebody if they shut you out of a market you know and and so for me i, I look at it like this if if you have something good to say that's going to help somebody then you yeah. say it if if not don't and and for for me with a lot of the the stations what what they say musically is you know that's that's their message that's like when i lived in california down in san diego I'm the biggest musician down there besides when Scott from STP was down there. Mm. You know, play us on the station down there. Yeah. Probably has something to do with me calling the the head of the station fat, but, you know, she was, <laughs> and she didn't play she our music. She was. Well, I, I learned. Yeah. I, I learned my lesson. So, uh, I mean, if you don't learn your lesson, then, then you know, that's on you. But, so, it was, a, it was a cheap shot. I was hurt. You know, she had said something that they were going to uh, add our single. They didn't. We were... We made a deal with them. We would come and do an acoustic show. We did. They did not. And they didn't add it? They didn't oh. keep their part of the bargain. So naturally, you know, um, I think you said you have Irish in you. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I have that fiery temper. And when I found out, we went down there and, and that they did not keep their part of the bargain. It just kind of, you know, when you have something that's full and you bump it, sometimes stuff spills out. Sure. And I got bumped and fat came out. <laughs> <laughs> do, you th- do you think... That you, uh, you seem to me the kind of guy that's always a little full. Like you're always, if you bump him, you're going to get it from him. Not so much anymore. Yeah. I, I, I was in the beginning because I had a lot to say. Yeah. I, I, I was um, feeling that for me, there's there's not a lot of people out there that were really sticking up for us. When mm-hmm. I did the Democratic National Convention and I went to New York and, and represented us at the time, you know, when people thought of uh, heavy metal, you know, they thought about us in, in kind of a bad way. Yeah. You know, they thought about us kind of like we're, we're the goofy guys you see in the videos on MTV making fun of us, yeah. you know. and, and They're they, all Warrant and the Cherry Pie days. and Or worse. Or worse, or worse. Yeah, yeah. So when I went to the convention up there and I started hitting the circuit, people were looking at me, wow. How can he also be intelligent? Yeah. Must be the glasses. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so uh, that that was really good for me because I stood up for us. And and there since that point, of course, that was in 1992. I was working with uh, again the Democratic Convention. So for everyone who says that you know I'm I'm a Republican, you know, 
Look, I'm an independent. I wouldn't have worked with any one party if I was a member of a party. So I vote. What? Sort of How I dare to. you? But b- use your own brain to pick instead of siding with the party. Yeah, Who it's think part you are? Of the divide and conquer mentality again. Yeah. But for me, I look at it like this: when when I went there, my whole goal was to stick up for you know, people and to. You know, I believe in in protecting the underdog. You know, there because that was me. I, yeah. you know, I was the latchkey kid. I was the guy that was getting the snot beat out of him in school. I was the guy that was picked last during the you know sizing up of teams. And, right. You know that doesn't feel good. And it only happens a couple times. You know, you're playing dodgeball and and you know you tackled the guy that's yeah. <laughs> at, at first base because they picked you last. They're going to go okay, pick him first. <laughs> uh, your mom is she alive? No, she ever- passed away. Uh, Were you ever able to reconcile with her? Yeah, totally. Oh, you are. I took her to Germany. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because, um, you know, fame is, is really crazy. I think uh, uh, it kind of reminded my mom that she was my mom and the love a mother has for their child supersedes any kind of cult mentality. And, and I believe that the uh, um, religion that my mom and, and my mom's side of the family subscribed to ruined our family. I, I believe sure. that completely. Was 100%. she able to get out of it or did she kind no. of... And, and there, you know, it's, they're still in it. Like my sister, Debbie, I'll, I'll say, because she's born three days after me, I'll call her up, I'll say happy birthday. And she goes, oh, okay, honey. Uh, happy birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. and Merry Christmas too uh, damn it <laughs> so so when your mom when you reconcile with your mom see I, that's a, that did you go to therapy for that well I went to therapy but it wasn't not for, for that I mean but the reason why I ask is that takes a lot of now I'm famous on my own I'm 15 I'm on my own I mm. I achieve a level of international stardom I'd find her too just so I can give mm. her the finger but you went back and we're able to, I mean, I guess mm. if it's your mom, you feel a little bit different about it. Yeah, there was there was a, a lot of stuff that led up to that. And, I, again, if you're willing to work out your problems and not just throw the baby out with the bathwater, right. I think that it really helps. You know, it was the relationship was worth not uh, ending because, you know, I didn't uh, like the fact that my mom was getting pressured from people, peer pressure, ostracization. Uh, uh, I got you, ostracized <laughs> yeah, uh, by this religion when my mom, the only thing she had after she left my dad was these people. Yeah. You know? And then all of a sudden they say they're going to, you know, disfellowship you, which is the, the thing that they use when they banish right. you or disassociate you, which is another level of it. So, um, yeah, we were, there was one time in, in particular that I knew that she had embraced this because she was telling me she was at a store and that she goes, I don't pay with cash anymore and i said why is that mom she goes i use my checkbook and i said she goes because when i open up my checkbook the boys that are bagging the groceries always see my last name and they go is that your son and i say yes he is uh, and, and i thought you know what that that's that, a good feeling that is yeah. worth saying let's push the reset button yeah. for anything you know just to see that's a sweet that's that's sweet to hear from her you know if you yeah. ever wondered how you're mother felt about you all these years that's a good answer as to, as to how she really feels yeah it was a good feeling and then like i said i got to take her to germany where she was born and and it was funny because coming around full circle my niece my my sister debbie's daughter is serving in in our armed forces over in in south korea right now um and I want to thank her personally for sure. protecting us um and and so she's getting uh sent she's a military police officer with uh, the dogs right which is you know if you can find a really cool gig uh working with 
dogs. Dogs, it's yeah. Really cool. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And and some of those dogs they have those uh, Belgian. What are those uh, Malinois? Malinois. Yeah. Those are amazing. My, one of my best buddies was my bodyguard during the rest in peace years. Um, he had uh, got a, a canine beat in Las, in Las Vegas and had one of those dogs. And oh, they're so amazing. Oh, I, I we have a great sheriff here in Hillsborough County, and I got to go see the training facility mm-hmm. and watch them train with the dogs mm. it's amazing they're it's so amazing smart. how smart they are yeah. and how protective they are when yeah. people say they're they're part of the force it's because they they've are. done so much work with them and yeah. been such a part of yeah they are uh tonight ruth eckert hall you'll have experience hendrix you'll get to see dave Mustaine. you'll get to see a bunch of other great guitar players and if you are a fan of Jimi hendrix these are the best guys to be playing that music for you and it's the best next best thing to actually get in to see jimmy do it live you got Megadeth, uh, the second Megadeth beer coming out. The 16th album is in the works. And then you're back here on June 2nd with Ozzy right here in Tampa. Thank you so much for getting up early and coming. You're welcome. You're a super interesting guy. I'm glad for your success. And I'm really happy to start about your mom. I think that yeah. you, you don't, you're not, you don't impress anybody else until you've impressed your parents. That's 